So it had been an exciting time in their ministry. The disciples had been following Jesus for some time, and they had seen Him do some incredible miracles. They had seen Him heal countless people. Uh, Peter had actually just seen his mother-in-law also be healed. I'll let you decide if whether or not he thought that was a good thing or not. Um, But they saw Jesus do these amazing things, and they began to learn, like, this is no ordinary man. And then Jesus says, listen, we're going to go over to that side of the Sea of Galilee. We're going to go on that side um, and continue our ministry there. And these, many of them were trained fishermen. This was their job. So they were like, easy. Let's get in the boat and head on over. Jesus goes down and he uh, decides to take a nap. And as he's taking a nap, the waves pick up, the wind starts to howl, and these trained professional fishermen are scared out of their mind because of how bad this storm got. And they run and they turn and they see Jesus and he's just asleep through the whole thing. And they shake him awake and they say, Master, Jesus, we're going to die. Get up. Come and help. We've got to get the water out. And Jesus doesn't even say anything. He just walks like to the edge of the boat and just looks at the storm and says, stop. And all of a sudden, there is a calm over everything. Jesus looks at his disciples and he has one question for them. Where is your faith? We began a series last week entitled Questions Jesus Asked. Because in the Gospels, uh, Jesus asks over 300 questions. Maybe you you knew that, maybe you didn't, but Jesus asked a lot of questions. He asked people in his ministry, his disciples, people that just talked to him for one time. He asked questions, and, and these questions he asks are not just for them, but they're also for us. They're for you and me to hear, to consider, and to answer for ourselves. We have a lot of questions for Jesus. I know I do, and I'm sure you do as well, but, but Jesus has questions for you. He has questions for me. He has questions for all of us. And this question that Jesus asked his disciples, where is your faith? Jesus is asking you the same thing. Jesus is asking you the same question. Where is your faith? Now, What's important to realize is that Jesus asked this question in a certain context. Where did Jesus ask this question? He asked this question as they were in the middle of a storm. See, that's the thing about storms, not just literal storms. Like maybe you've ever been on a boat like the disciples and you're like, we're going to die. Like it just got that bad. Maybe you've been in that situation, but maybe not. But I can guarantee you we've all had the kind of storms of life hit us in one way, shape, or form. We've all gone through these these choppy waters, these difficult situations, and we think to ourselves, like, how am I going to make it? I don't know if I can get through this thing. This thing is going to overwhelm me. It's going to overtake me. I'm scared out of my mind. We've all probably been there in one way, shape, or form. And here's the thing about when those storms happen. What, What the Scriptures testify to from beginning to end is this. God is in control all the time. He's in control all the time. 
which means God is allowing these things to happen. And maybe you've asked yourself, why is the storm happening? Maybe when you've read this story, you think to yourself, why would Jesus get them in a boat and say, hey, we're going to go in a boat across the other side if he knew the storm was going to come and he let the storm happen and he let them get scared to their wits end? Maybe you've asked that question. You're like, why would Jesus do that to them? (laughs) Because you know what that feels like, right? You know, God, why is this happening? Why are you letting this storm hit me? And, And we can't answer that totally, but here's what I can tell you. I can tell you this, that when we're in storms, real or figurative, it shows where our faith is. When you're in the middle of a storm, you will find out where your capital letter faith really is. And you want to know how you know where it is? Where you run to. So when you face storms in your life, when you go through those difficult seasons, where do you run to first? Where do you run to and say to yourself, I need to to go there. I need to go to that thing. I need to go to that person. Where do you run to? And, And when you think about that and you realize like, okay, this is the thing. This is the person that I typically, when things get really hard, this is where I run for safety and comfort and provision. I want to let you know that that thing or that person is probably where your capital F faith really is. And let's just be honest with ourselves. I, I, I'm honest with you. A lot of times we have our faith placed in things of this world. We run to things, we run to people that we think have the power to protect us in whatever storm we're facing. We run to them because we think this thing, this person, this ideology, whatever it is, this thing can help me. This thing can protect me. This thing can save me. Maybe you run to like human ability, like your own ability, like your own smarts to figure out I got to solve this problem, and I've been able to solve a lot of problems by using kind of my my brain or just hard effort, so I'm going to turn there, and I'm going to just figure out this problem and work it through. Or you kind of turn to like us as humans and think, man, human beings have faced a lot of problems over our existence, haven't we? And you know what we've done? We've figured out solutions, we figured out ways of tackling the problems and, and making a better world and figuring things out. So you know what? Like us as I may not know all the answers, but there's a lot of really smart people, a lot of strong people, and we can kind of pull our collective wisdom together and we run there to our human abilities. Or maybe you run to your stuff. I got my 401k. I got my bank account. I got these possessions, and I can run to them, and they can help protect me. When I feel tense, when I feel nervous, I go and I run to the stuff I have because that shields me, that protects me, that buffers me, and that means I'm going to be okay because I can turn to that thing and it will protect me. Or um, we turn to what's called a strong man. That's a technical term, strong man. We turn to a, a king-like figure, a uh, a, a ruler, uh, someone in charge, and we say, listen, as long as that person's in charge, we're going to be okay because they're going to protect us. They're going to provide for us like a king kind of protecting their kingdom. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. It's an election year this year. 
I'm sorry to break it to you. It's an election year. And I want you to think, and I want you to pay attention this year especially, and think about how much of the rhetoric and, and political ads and how we all talk, and it all centers around this idea of if we get the strong person in charge, the right person in charge, things will be fixed. We're going to be okay. And we look and we turn to that person and say, if they're in charge, things will get fixed. I won't have to worry. All of the political ads are pushing that on you. What is it doing underneath? It's saying, put your faith in this strong man, in this person, whoever it may be. And we turn to all these things. Uh, the Scriptures, um, and I was actually just talking to somebody recently, when you read the Scriptures, sometimes it can be confusing, right? Like, maybe you've read the Bible and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm confused. That's okay. We all get in that place. But there are places where Scripture is so clear, and it's like, I get what it's saying. You want to know one of the places where Scripture is so clear and it's so adamant and it puts it in your face? It's so clear on this. If your capital F faith is in anything in this world, anything, I don't care how good it is, it will put you to shame. The Scriptures say it will put you to shame. That that wording means this. It's that moment when you um, put your chips in on somebody, you back somebody, you're like, I'm going to trust that person, I'm going to put my faith in that person. And then it's that moment when you realize, I think I backed the wrong horse. I think I've made a mistake. I think I've made a fool of myself for putting my faith in that thing or that person. You want to know what feeling you feel in that moment when you come to that realization? Shame. Embarrassment. Foolishness. And the scriptures say, listen, at one point or another, if your faith is in anything in this world, in any person of this world, that's where you'll end up. That's where it'll end up. And in steps Jesus. And he comes to you and asks you this question. Where is your faith? And in that question is an invitation. It's an invitation and it's so simple. It's so easy. You're going to be like, well, duh. Here's Jesus' invitation. When he asks you, where is your faith? Here's his invitation. Don't put your, your capital F faith in the things of this world, no matter how good they look, no matter how strong they look, no matter how appealing they look. Don't put your capital F faith in those things. But no, put your faith where? In him. Place your faith, focus your faith, not in the things of this world, but in him. When Jesus asks you, where is your faith? He's inviting you to assess, where have I put my faith? And, and he invites you to turn it and to focus it and to point it on him. Because he alone will not put you to shame. He will not let you down. Now, let's unpack faith for a minute. Because when I say that, there might be a whole bunch of things that come to your mind. Biblically speaking, here's what faith is. 
Biblical faith is this, a life of ongoing, complete dependence upon Jesus. Faith is an ongoing, complete dependence upon Jesus. Let's talk about that complete dependence part first. Now, notice I didn't say a life of faith is a life of knowing things about Jesus. A life of faith is passing the test uh, in confirmation. A life of faith is not uh, knowing a whole bunch of stuff about what Lutherans believe. That's not a life of faith. A life of faith is what? A complete dependence. It is a leaning upon. It is this posture of saying, my life is in your hands. That's dependence. It is coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, uh, my life's in your hands. You are in control, and, and everything I have, I need from you. Everything I'll ever need, I need you to provide it, you to give it, you to protect me. I depend on you, and if you were ever to remove your hand of provision for me, then I'll be left with nothing. I'll be, I'll be left unguarded. You know, one of the ways to think about what this dependence can look like is, is in the famous story of, of Charles Blondin, who is a French acrobat, who one of his big things that he would do often is he would walk on a, on a high rope tight wire across Niagara Falls. He did it countless times. And every time there would be flocks of people going to watch. And, and usually the story goes that he would say to the crowd, hey, do you think I could walk across to the other side? And they would all say, yeah, you could do it. And then he'd go and he'd walk across to the other side and then come back. And then he'd say, okay, so I walked across do you think I could take this wheelbarrow across? Yeah, absolutely. And so he'd grab a wheelbarrow and he'd walk across Niagara Falls and then come back and they'd be amazing, amazing. And then he'd say, okay, do you think I could put somebody in this and walk across? And they'd be like, yeah, you could totally do that. And he said, who's in? <laughs> Nobody ever took him up on the offer. That's faith. Getting in the wheelbarrow. My life's quite literally in your hands. That is dependence upon Jesus. It is a posture of saying, Jesus, everything I have comes from you. Everything I need, I need from you. That you are above everything. I need you for everything, the big things and the small things. I depend on you. But notice I said, it's not just complete dependence upon Jesus one time, it's ongoing. Because here's what happens to us. We get distracted. If you um, have kids in your life or you ever saw the movie Up from a handful of years ago, there's the dog in the movie that has this like speaker box that can talk. And, and you hear what he's thinking and he's like having a conversation. And then in the middle of the conversation, what's he say? Squirrel. And he gets distracted all the time, and we are no different, because in our life, we, we believe in Jesus, we trust in Jesus, and then things come along, and they're nice and shiny, and then our faith drifts, and it happens all the time. And so a life of faith is depending upon Jesus, but always assessing in our own hearts, man, when have I, when have I, lost my focus, and I've let my faith venture off into these other places and these other peoples, and the, the invitation is to refocus, to, to turn back, 
That's what repentance is, friends. Turning back and refocusing upon the object of our faith who will not put us to shame, Jesus Christ. And it's this ongoing turn and depending upon Jesus. We turn to him and we believe his promises. You you believe his promises that he loves you, that he forgives you, that he is with you. We turn to that and grab hold of it. We turn to him and we pour out our fears. We pour out our concerns. We pour out when we're in the middle of the storm. Jesus, are you here? Are you with me? And we turn to him and we pour it out to him. That's an act of faith in him. And we turn to the people of Jesus and we grab a hold of the people of Jesus because Jesus says, hey, when you're with my people and you, you surround yourself with them and you lean upon them, you know who you're really leaning upon? You're leaning upon me because they have my Holy Spirit within them. And you, follower of Jesus, with the Spirit inside of you, you are the very body of Christ. That's what it means to depend on Jesus. That's what it means to live a life of faith. Now, you may have the question lingering, or someone may have asked you this question. That's great and all, depending upon Jesus, turning to him, relying upon him, but why, why is Jesus any better than, than anything else? What makes him different? I, I'd say there's two main things that make him different than anyone else, than everything else, and why we can trust him, why he won't put us to shame. Firstly, because Jesus is, is the one who has the power over all the storms in life. Jesus is above everything, and he's the one who has the power of all the storm. That's why he showed the disciples that by simply saying a word, the waves were like, all right, we'll stop. Go ahead and try that next time there's a storm, right? Go outside and be like, stop. See what happens. Probably nothing, right? But Jesus can go, and he can say a word, because guess who made the sea with a word? He did. He made it. He can stop it. He has power over all of it. He's the only one. And so we can trust him because he has all the power. But listen, friends, that isn't everything. Because if that was all we saw of Jesus, that he had power over everything, you know where that would leave us? That would leave us in fear. If you were listening closely, Jesus calmed the storm. What was the disciples' reaction? It wasn't joy. What was it? Fear. Because now they recognize this dude we've been talking to, he's more powerful than even this storm that we were like terrified of, and he's stronger than it. What's he going to do to us? That's why it's important to remember, um, not that just Jesus is the power, has power over the storm, but he, he cares about birds and lilies. This master of everything cares about birds and lilies, and you're like, What does that have to do with anything? It is everything. Jesus teaching his disciples when they were stressed out, when they were worried, you know what he said to them? He said, hey, look at the birds. Go bird watching. Do you think that they, like, have a grocery list together and they go shopping for the week and they plant? Like, do they do that? No. But you know what? God provides for everything they need. Do you you think God cares more about you than the birds? The answer is yes, by the way. And he says, look at the lilies, look at the flowers. They are beautiful. Do you think they go out to, you know, the mall 
and pick out the latest fashion? No. God clothes them in this beauty and splendor. Do you think, like, do you think that God cares more about you than about the flowers that are here for a few days and, and gone the next? The answer is yes, by the way. God cares about you. God loves you. And when you take those two things, God, you have power over everything, and you love me. You gave everything for me. We look to the cross, and that's what we see, right? We see Jesus gave everything for us. And when you hold those two things together, you know what you get? You get the reason why you can trust Jesus. He's the only one who has power over everything, and he loves even you. And so we say, Jesus, I can trust you, and you won't put me to shame. I'm going to focus my faith on you. Now, I, I want to say one thing about storms now, because again, there's that question we may have had. Why did Jesus let them go through the storm in the first place? Why does he let us go through storms? He's got power over everything. Can he just like give us sunshine and rainbows all the time? Can't he do that? He could. But here's what I want you to realize, that it's in the storms where we become anti-fragile in our faith. That word, maybe some of you have heard it. It's kind of a recent word in past handful of years. It's a word used to describe a system. Uh, you know, you guys have heard the word fragile before, right? Like a piece of glass, like a vase. What happens if you, like, throw it on the ground? It's going to break. It's fragile. It breaks easily. You've heard words like robust. That's like a rubber band where it stretches, and you know what can happen? It can last a bit longer than the vase when there's pressure applied to it, but, but eventually what's going to happen? Eventually it'll snap, right? You just pull it long enough, eventually it'll snap. It's just longer than the vase. But there's a third category called anti-fragile, where when stress and and hardship is applied, you know what happens to the thing? It's actually strengthened. That's why when, like, you work out and you use your muscles, it hurts. <laughs> but you know what happens on the other end? Your muscles are stronger because of it. And the only way for the muscles to get stronger is by going through the difficulty of lifting the weights, of running the miles, of, of pushing through the exercise. It's through the hardship that it's actually made stronger. And Jesus wants you to realize this, that the storms you go through are, are not purposeless. But actually in them, he is at work in you to make your faith stronger. Because you know what happens when you're in the storms and you're left like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. You run to Jesus. You, you lean upon him. You lean upon his people and you grab tighter to the promises of Jesus. You say, you love me. Be with me. You promise that you, you will see me through this. You promise that you will be with me and guide me and protect me. And on the other side of this, you will see me through it. And your faith in the storm, is made stronger as he focuses you on him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in the book of 2 Corinthians. 
He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in, and if you know it, what is it? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm content being in the storms of life. I don't want them, but when I'm in them, I can have a peace in me for when I am weak, then I am strong because I am depending more and more not on myself, not on anybody of this world, but upon Jesus Christ, who will not let me down. And God is doing that in you, in your storm, focusing you on him, that he loves you, that he's with you, that he will provide for you. And he will not abandon you in the storm. He will see you through it. And you will come out on the other end victorious, and stronger, having gone through it. I'll close with this. How many of you know the, the children's song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands? How many of you know that? Yeah. For a long time, I thought to myself, as a, as a trained theologian, someone who's gone through years and years of education, that's a very simplistic song. It's good that we sing it to children, but that's all it is. It's a simple song, doesn't really have much depth to it. And then I found out the origin of the song, which I've come to find out not many of us know. Do you know where the song came from? The song actually came from, uh, the first recorded like, writing of it was from the 1920s in a, in a book that was compiled of African-American spiritual songs that generations of African-Americans had been singing through their time in, in slavery and, and all the hardships that they faced in, in those early centuries. And I thought to myself, that, that is where the song came from. And no longer then is it a simple simplistic song. You know what it is now? It's a song of anti-fragility. It's a song that says, we are in this storm, but you know who's got us? God's got us. It's a song of men and women who knew that Jesus would not let them go even in the worst of their storms. And friends, Jesus wants you to know that, that he has you. You can trust him. So where is your faith? Jesus invites you to focus your faith on him, the only one who will not let you down and who will not put you to shame. Amen.